Good morning, Calvary. Well, um, I survived the first service, and this is the second one. And uh, you know me, I'm very energetic, and I'm passionate about sharing God's word. And, but when it's your last time on a staff, it's more difficult because of all the memories and how the Lord has used this church to really bless us and as a family, and it's been such an honor. Uh, we have enjoyed the ride. Uh, but today's passage uh, calls us for uh, reading the scriptures and really, really understanding that it takes the work of each one in the room and in all the services to fulfill God's mission. So. I'm going to ask the Lord to help us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the way that you have been uh, at work in and through this church, and thank you for the moments that we have rejoiced, especially this hour, Lord, that we have come together to glorify your name. So as we open up the scriptures, we pray that the Holy Spirit will be leading us today, uh, that you'll be speaking to our needs, that you'll be transforming our hearts, our minds, but most of all, that we'll be transforming other lives as we make disciples for your glory. So we dedicate this time purely and solely to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The Great Wall of China is the largest wall ever built in the history of the world. It took about 1,800 years to build it. Can you imagine? They started somewhere around 220 BC and it got finished sometime during the Ming Dynasty in 1600s. When it was completed, it was about 6,000 miles long. At one point, 800,000 people were working on that wall day in and day out. Some people spend their entire lives working on such a magnificent project. Not only did the wall keep the enemies of China from attacking, but the wall stands as a great symbol of what can be accomplished when people work together. Today, as we continue to work in the sermon series on Nehemiah, we are talking about this great project, this building of the wall in the city of Jerusalem. If you remember, Nehemiah lived around 445 BC, and he was a Jewish man who was serving in Persia. His title in the palace, he made it to the palace, and he was the cup bearer, which was basically the head of security. But one of his responsibilities was to taste the wine. How many would like that job? Okay. So, some of you laughed. Okay. Well, but tasting the wine for two reasons. If the wine was good, he would pass it to the king, and if the wine was poisonous, he would literally die how many would like that job now you don't like it right but one day Nehemiah's life would change forever his brother comes to visit him in Nehemiah chapter 1 you see the, the interaction that conversation takes place and, and he usually asks him the typical question how are you doing how is the family how are things back home so Nehemiah hears that you know things are not good back home 
Jerusalem is down in ruins and the wall is down and the doors have been burned in fire. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah does what we usually do when we receive, you know, those type of news, go to prayer. And from the time he received those news, it's about four months, he prays and he cries and he fasts and he prays and he cries and he's fasting and he prays God what to do. Until one day, the king approaches him and asks him this question, Nehemiah, why are you depressed? Why are you dismayed? Why do you look like that? So Nehemiah takes advantage of the, oppor of the opportunity and, and uh, he talks to the king and you know the story. He, the king provides letters for him to go on the way. He commissioned Nehemiah as an official of the government. Uh, so he even takes timber with him, wood, to rebuild the doors. So Nehemiah is called by God and, and he goes and he surveys the area. He goes and he inspects the area and evidently he takes a group of men with him. He didn't tell them what he was going to do. He goes and he looks and evidently things were worse than when he expected. He, he, he was just devastated. And, but he makes a proclamation to his brothers and he convocates them to rebuild the wall. So today we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter 3 and it's a list of names of the ones that contributed in the rebuilding of the wall. For example, uh, let's read the first three verses to get an idea of the whole passage. This is one of the passages that if you want to fall asleep at night, just read it. It's a bunch of names. But as I read it and read it and read it, it, it's fascinating what we find here. So let's read the three verses of these chapters, the first three verses, and then we're going to refer to the actions and some points. This is what the, what the Word of God says. It says, Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the ship gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the tower of the hundred, which they dedicated as far as the tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section in Zakur. Some of Imri built nets to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hasenaah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. You're going to find a bunch of names in there. Even the Bible app guy that is reading has a difficult time, so I'm not going to read him. But this is indeed a beautiful passage that speaks of the tapestry and diversity of the people involved in the rebuilding of the world. It shows how being in community makes a difference. Nehemiah faced a great challenge and a great faith in God sustained him all the time. And Calvary, today we're going we're gonna to meditate on this. So in chapter 4, verse 6, Nehemiah says, So we built the wall for the people had in mind to work. They wanted to work. They say, yes, let's build the wall. So the first point here is it takes a community to accomplish God's purposes. It takes a community to accomplish God's purposes. In, in chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. 
Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. So you find Nehemiah talking to the people of Israel. They were depressed. They were dismayed. They didn't have, you know, the identity that they had in the city. Their morale was down, and he comes filled with the Spirit of God, and he's telling them, you know, we are to rebuild the wall. So they start rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah was concerned not only about, you know, the identity of the city, but Nehemiah had in mind the vision of God, the identity of the people of God. It was not only something personal, communal, it was against God's kingdom. And Nehemiah rose up and he said, let's rebuild the wall. Let's do this together. And they said, amen. But no, it was hard. God had a special task, uh, task for Nehemiah, and, and he does have a special task for each one of us, according to the scripture. He was following God's vision. He was rebuilding. The word built is used six times in Nehemiah chapter 3, and it means rebuilt. George Morrison reminds us, for this restoration, no new material was needed. The materials were in the harvest with the people. The only thing that Nehemiah took was the wood, sponsored by the king. (laughs) But when he arrived, he found that in the middle of the people, God has some resources and church. It takes a community to fulfill God's purposes. Calvary's vision is grounded and rooted in God's heart, which is to make disciple makers for the glory of God among the nations. This is surreal, and it is the last time I preach here on, on staff. And I remember the first interaction we had with Calvary. Uh, Pastor Elis Orozco had preached at BUA in San Antonio uh, around 2004, and I graduated in 2005. Uh, I thought I was going to go to Waco to Truett Theological Seminary. I had a full ride to go there, but somehow the Lord didn't open the doors there. So um, I found myself here. Uh, My fiance uh, was there, and uh, we were going to get married. Uh, We were all enthusiastic about life. I was hired at the children's home with Buckner International. And um, we were walking down on Bicentennial Boulevard. And there was this guy that came with bottled waters on 4th of July. You know, cold water. He's like, wow. So he told us, well, these are free. So we said, well, yeah, that's good. So we got the bottled waters. And he said, well, we have some hot dogs and we have some other things in there. So we, we walked and, and we came for the first time and we, we saw Calvary serving, you know, the community party for the 4th of July. We were welcome, and then we were working and, and serving at a church in Harlingen, and I was working in Mission. My wife, my wife was working in Far. So we said, we, we might as well find a church close, closer by, you know, by, by our home. And, and I told my wife, let's go and visit Calvary. And she says, Calvary? She said, yeah, Calvary. 
she grew up in a Hispanic church, so we came and, and we attended the second service, 945 service, back in the days, and, and we were greeted here, and then uh, soon enough, uh, after a while, we, I joined the worship team, and I started playing for the two contemporary services, uh, the drums, and one day, Pastor Ellis calls us, and he says, well, there's a small group on Wednesday nights, and uh, the guy that is teaching there, I think he's not going to be there tomorrow. Can you teach? And I say, what do I teach? He says, teaching the Bible. <laughs> ah, that's good. You'll never go wrong with that. <laughs> so I, I came, and there was a group. It was about eight people, and uh, I opened up the scriptures, and we prayed, and we, I taught the Bible. Went back next Sunday to play the drums, and about two weeks after, he calls me back and says, you know, the guy that was teaching that group, he's not coming anymore. So can you take over that group? And I say, what do I do? Just teach the Bible. A few words. Teach the Bible. So, okay, teach the Bible. Uh, from 6.30 to 8. So that was the start of Calvary in Espanol. It grew and to a point that we have to convert it to a service. And Ruben is here. And I asked Ruben, you grew up in a Hispanic church. You know how to play some coritos, some, some songs in Spanish. So come. And uh, so he came and he played, he will play uh, all those uh, old songs uh, that he grew up with. And, and we converted into a service. And that was the beginning of Calvary in Espanol. This family is our family. I'm not a pastor that came from another church. This is our church. I came on the pew. I came without family, well, with my wife. Uh, Selena was in the womb, and you pray for, for her on the womb. My wife was like really, really, really notorious when she was pregnant of Selena. And uh, my, my kids have been born here. My wife is from here. Statistically speaking, I'm the staff member that is not to leave the valley. This is home for us. I completed, uh, you know, my upper 30s uh, on February 1st, and uh, I have lived half of my life in this land. So this is home away from home from me. But God takes a community and following his vision, it's sometimes rebuilding. And that's, this church is determined, being determined, matters. The word repair is used 35 times, and it means to make strong and firm. Nehemiah was not interested on a quick fix. He was interested on lasting fix. He was interested on rebuilding the wall in the most efficient, in the most vivid way that would proclaim that that was the city of David, the identity, the Messiah would come. And that wall meant so much to Nehemiah. This church has a missional heart. About three or four weeks ago, I've been crying for the last three or four months. I don't know. This is hard. The last week, last year was hard on us, and the Lord put us through a trial with my daughter. You know that. You pray for us. And, uh, and we asked the hard questions. Lord, what is it that you want us to do? And uh, we were close to moving, and as many of you, I mean, I was even arrogant when they would call me, and I say, no, 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 no. <laughs> Until the Lord says through my wife, have you even prayed? I don't want to leave from here, but have you even prayed about that? We came on our knees and, and we prayed. And the question remains, do we want to leave? No, we don't want to leave. Of course not. The second question is, has our season here ended? Maybe yes. We don't want to leave because this is home. 
and will continue to be home for us. But then I look at the scriptures, and since this, this is my last preaching, I could preach longer if I want. <laughs> the next one is the Spanish service, so they have to wait. But when you look at the Apostle Paul, he would go and establish ministries. And every time he would say goodbye, you find it encapsulated in his words saying, I am crying. It is with deep heart emotional turmoil that I say goodbye. I don't want to leave. But God's vision caused me to leave. And even when he left, he was writing letters. Now I can send you a Facebook message, WhatsApp or something. And he was missing his church back home. This is our home. You saw us from the get-go, from the beginning. You affirmed my calling. You ordained me to the ministry, so it's your fault. You laid your hands on me and affirmed that God was calling me to the ministry. You celebrated with me. You commissioned me to different mission groups and, and trips that we took overseas. And in one of those, I almost died. I came back with typhoid fever and they didn't know how to treat it here. They sent me home just to drink fluids. Uh, many of you pray for me. Many of you pray for me when my, you know, wife uh, had a difficult pregnancy with Selena and, and uh, we celebrated dedicating both of our kids and I had the opportunity to baptize them here. Uh, I don't know how many baptisms we had. One Easter Sunday, Pastor Julio was there in the Spanish service. We baptized more than 50. My arm was like swollen. I like, I need to go to the gym and build some muscle here. I have performed about 122 wedding ceremonies here. It's about one ceremony per month for the 12 years. It's just, I don't know the funerals, not many, but some. It's been a, an enjoyable ride. I have been put in a family uh, of a staff uh, that is very diverse. And Pastor Julio, he's a friend of mine. I highly respect his ministry, his friendship, his leadership. He's such a good pastor, very nice pastor, good, nice pastor, very patient pastor. I learned so many things from him. I'm from the pastoral staff, a woman in the staff, a lady on the staff. A Filipino on the staff, a visionary, Chad, and Paulo, administrator, and Marcus, and you know, all of us that have served here passionately, I see you working. It takes a community to fulfill God's purposes, to build and to rebuild, to repair as many times as needed, because we are committed with one purpose, that is to expand the ministry of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, that one day, he he will come and one day when he comes he will find us faithful obedient to him Oof, I'm getting excited now from grieving to mourning to joyfulness second thing it takes a community to do the work you know each person had a role to play in the rebuilding of the wall God uses all kinds of people the chapter mentions rulers and priests Verse 1, 12, and 19, men and women. Verse 12, professional craftsmen. 
You know, Amen and his daughter, I imagine, for example, Reuben and his daughter say, hey, you built a road. You know? And, and the particular theme in all those names, you see a phrase in between, and it says, right next to them, and right next to them, and, and it exemplifies the diversity. You know, all kinds of people, even uh, in all the socioeconomic strata, people from the city, from outside the city, verses 5 and 7, there was a place for everyone and a job for everyone to do. And I have seen the dedicated work of many people in our church family in Calvary. All those who, who work in the committees, all those who work with the deacons, all those who work in the children's and the youth, you know, in the, with the single adults, with the ABFs, all those groups serving for one purpose, the ushers with a smile in their faces, you know, a lot of people that is praying, a lot of people that is behind the scenes, people committed to expand God's kingdom, people in the worship team, all with the only purpose to proclaim the good news of the gospel. So they rebuilt the gates, and, and the first one was the sheep gate in verse 1, and then it ends in verse 32 with the same gate, and, and it is a reminder that Jesus is the lamb who died for the sins of the world. Amen? The animals were brought into the city through that gate, and the, the professional, you know, shepherds will bring those lambs to the city. It is a reminder that one day the Lamb of the world will walk through the city of Jerusalem. And one day the Lamb of the world was going to be crucified close by that town. One day the Lamb of the world will give us an opportunity to have a hope and a future and have everlasting life. You see, it's not the city. It's not the walls. It is not the people. It was the kingdom of God. It was the vision of the kingdom of God. It's always in God's heart. And Calvary, this church has that heart. We can be criticized for everything, not many, but we cannot be criticized that we don't preach the word and we don't have a missional heart. So in one of those nights, sleepless nights, Crying, weeping night. God gave me a phrase. Living a missional life is always saying goodbye. Either because you are training leaders, members, disciples, and sending them out or you are being commissioned yourself. Today I'm being commissioned along with my family by our own, our own church. The fish gate, merchants use this gate to bring fish from the Mediterranean Sea and in verses three you see how it is a reminder to go and fish, go and fish. Not to come and see, but to go and reach and fish. The old gate is probably the corner gate, and in Hebrew means the second quarter or the new quarter. And it talks about the legacy. When you read about the legacy of this church, it is impressive that a group of men and women decided to come to North McAllen back in the days. This was North McAllen. 
radical North McAllen. Now it's like downtown McAllen. And a group of men and women committed to the gospel said, this is where the Lord called us to be a community of disciple makers. And that passion remains intact today. The Valley Gate is where Nehemiah began his nocturnal investigation of the ruins. It was located in the southwest corner of the city. Every Christian needs a valley gate. <laughs> Every believer, for God opposes the proud when you come and you examine your life through the Holy Spirit and through the Word. And in the valley of the shadow of death, in the, in the imperfection, in, in, in the unlikeliness, in the, in the situations, in the troubles, in the pain, is where the Lord shines the most. And I have seen that here in Calvary. You know, the Don Gate was, the original word is Gehenna or Gehema, which means disposal. And it was the place where you will take literally the garbage out of the city. And it is a reminder that the Lamb of God cleanses us from our sins. There was also the fountain gate, and it was located on the east wall, and it fed the water system of the city. And the Holy Spirit is our water fountain. Do you believe that the Holy Spirit leads this church? This is a Bible-based, grace-driven, spirit-led church. Let me tell you again, this is a Bible-based, grace-driven, and a spirit-led church. I am proud to be Calvary, and if you don't believe me, I am wearing the socks that were given to me yesterday in my farewell. He has the Calvary logo, CBC, and the watch that is engraved here, and it says CBC. This is our family, and it will continue to be. The Holy Spirit is here, and the church is moved by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. We sing it, we proclaim it, and we believe it, and we have experienced it here. Here is a church that believes in the movement of God. And I see that the future of Calvary is a bright future. God is doing amazing things, and by his grace, I have been privileged with my family to serve here. And I have been privileged to see life transformed, community transformed. I have been witnessing how the redemptive work of the Lamb of God continues to work in this church. The Ophel Gate is, it was located in a hill south of the temple area, and it is a reminder of Jesus as our tower, that he gives us the strength. Jesus is the one who gives us strength, amen? He is our tower, he is our strength. The horse gate stood north of the water gate, adjacent to the temple area, and God warned his people not to trust in horses or chariots. This gate is a reminder that there is welfare, welfare in Christian life. 
that we are always have to be ready for battle. And this church likes to pray. How many of you like to pray? If not, you could repent and do it today. We have to be vigilant. We have to be alert. Because God is always at work. We are never alone. We are never forsaken. He's always with us. His promises are still real. Real. There is a guy, you know, a commentary guy that says that there is about 3,000. There is another scholar that says there is 33,000. I don't know how many, but I know there are many, many promises in the scriptures. So we are grounded in the scriptures. The inspection gate, it was located on the northeast corner of the city and the Hebrew word has a military connotation and refers to the troops and the army. Thankfully, we have been free to Jesus Christ. And I have seen the work in each department here, the women ministry that I was privileged to oversee. Uh, you know, all the ministries that I see in the church, it is a wonderful church. Some people will not work. This is probably for another church, not for this church. But you see it in the, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 3. The people from Tekoa was a town about 11 miles from Jerusalem. And some of the people traveled to Jerusalem to assist in the work. What a contrast between these people and their novels. There were some of these people that came and they say, no, 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 we're not going to work. You know, I'm a novel. I can do that building project. There are always people that will do the work and there will always be people that don't work as much. Some people will work, will work more than others. Some people will work more than others. Most workers are glad to lay down their tools when their job is finished. But these people ask for additional assignments. You see it there. We must do as much as we can as long as the Lord enables us to do it. Jesus asked, what do you do more than others? And that question remains today. At least six different workers plus an unknown number of priests repair the portions of the wall that were nearest to their homes. So these people, they have homes and they say, we're going to rebuild the section of the wall that is in front of our home. So when they were finished with that section, they will go right next to the other person and would say, do you need help? They were just contributing. Everybody was working in the wall. Baruch, in verse 20, is the only worker of whom it said that his work was done earnestly. It means that he was burning and glowing, and it suggests that he burned everything that he has in his energy, in the original. That he was working and working and working and working and working, day in and day out. And that's the picture I take from this community. Thirdly, it takes a community to bring restoration. It takes a community to bring restoration. The most important ability is availability. If you don't get anything else out of the sermon, get this one. <laughs> the most important ability is availability. Are you available to do God's work? It is impressive that none of the ones who rebuilt the wall 
were always professional builders. However, they were available to be used by God to do his work. And today, Calvary, I'm asking you, are you available to do God's work? I've seen you available many times. I've seen your work. Esther chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, it says, you know, especially verse 16, you know the book of Esther, and, and this is her proclamation. <laughs> she says, go and gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not drink or eat for three days, night or day. And my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther knew what it was to be a proclaimer of God's kingdom. Calvary knows today more than ever that we are standing here in the valley of Texas, strategically positioned to become and to continue to be, you know, a restoration group of disciples. Calvary, for such a time as this, to reach people, to win others for the Lord, to make disciple makers. The one who prays, prays. The one who teaches, teaches. The one who serves, serves. The one who criticizes, we don't want him here. <laughs> because we are in the business of working. The most important trait is unity. The most important trait is unity. The expression right next to in this passage shows the spirit of unity these builders had as they work on rebuilding the wall. We are so different now than many years ago. We are very diverse. You go to the first service, it's very different to this service. You go to this service and it's different to the third service. But this is a picture of heaven. You know that from every race, from any ethnicity, from any background, any denomination, any socioeconomical strata, God is in the business of redeeming the world to him. And Calvary is a good picture of heaven. Just look around. We have different ethnicities here. God has allowed this church to reach many for his purposes. The most important trait is unity. We are very different. Some of us are very opinionated. And some of us like to work and some of us don't like to work as much. But it's okay. That doesn't mean that we have to have uniformity. It means that we have to be united in one accord. And I have seen that over these years at this church. In all those moments that we have to face difficulties, we have unity. The Spirit of God is here. The work of God is here. And the love of God is here. And even though we are so different, we are united by the Spirit of the Lord. And we glorify the Lord in the first service with hymns. In this one is contemporary. The third service is a blended of many things, <laughs> but we are one through the Spirit of God. We are redeemed by the Lamb of Christ. We are bought by the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 23, it says, I in them 
and you in me, so that they might be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The characteristic that we are to have is unity. And I have seen that here at Calvary. I have seen how we have been united in one accord. I have seen many good things in this church. You have sustained me in prayer and you have celebrated with us and uh, in different moments of our lives. This has been our family in trials, in victories, in celebrations, because we know how to celebrate. How many say amen? Oh, no, 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 no. We know how to celebrate. If you don't know how to celebrate, go to one of those Filipino ABFs. They know how to eat. Right? We know how to mourn when someone passes to the presence of our Lord. We know how to remember, how to put the pieces together. We know how to grieve together. This is family, and family loves each other. The most important characteristic is love. Love is God's language, and it transcends language, barriers, tradition, distances, and time. John 13, 35 says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It is not by the name of the church, it is by the love that we have. Three questions. What is your part in building up the body of Christ? What is your part? Maybe your part is little, small, but just do your part. Just do your part. How can God use you to serve and to do his work? God could continue to use this church to serve. Are you available to rebuild and to repair? How many times? As many times as needed. To rebuild and to repair. I want to finish this sermon and my pastorate at CVC by reading two passages in particular. The first one is found in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 9. And it's the passage I preach from during the opening service of Calvary in Espanol on Sunday, November 18, 2007. As we launch what it was the fourth service at 5 o'clock in the original building. It reads the following, and Pastor Julio read it yesterday. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right, to the right or to the left, that you might be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The other passage is the passage I preached from when I was given the opportunity to preach for the first time in the English services on December 30th, 2007. It is found in the epistle to the Philippians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And it reads like this. Note that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Thank you, family. Thank you. Would you stand as we, as we go to the Lord in prayer? Thank you for loving us so much. And thank you for exemplifying what the first century church could look like in the 21st century. A guy like me that came on the pews, called by God, trained at RGVI, but placed in this community, one of you, that by his grace and solely by his grace, I have been able to serve. And today, it is one of the most sacred moments of our lives as a family that our church is commissioning us. You'll have more, many pastors come and go, but one that was born here in the ministry, looking history. I am one of them. This is home and I will come, I will visit you. And if you are in the Dallas area, Park City's Baptist Church is a good city. It's a good church to go and visit. But as we pray and as we sing, as we proclaim the Lord, you come to the altar and you say, Lord, I am here. I want to do the section that corresponds to me. I want to keep on working for God's kingdom to be expanded. I want your reign and your glory to shine as a vessel. Imperfect, not trained, maybe not good for many other things according to the world, but useful for the Lord. You come as we sing and as we pray to the Lord. Come to him. The altar is open. If you want to get to know him for the first time or want to commit yourself or just come and be thankful to him and just say, Lord, use me. Continue to use me to do my part. 
Let's sing together. Let's come to him. We thank you, Jesus. Nehemiah was a prophetic word of the coming of the Messiah to Jerusalem. And today, as we remember, as we put the pieces together, as we bring our lives, sometimes in ruin, sometimes in despair, in disappointment, in valleys of shadow, of death, but you are our shepherd. And we thank you for your word in and through this church. And Lord, we are just so honored and privileged to serve you. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace, for the care that has been exemplified through this community called Calvary. And I pray, Lord, that as you have blessed our lives, you will continue to ignite the hearts of each disciple to make disciples for your glory. That one day will be in your presence. And that word will be faithfulness. But while you come, we want to work. Your will, Lord. Nothing else, nothing less than your will in our lives. That's our prayer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God spoken to you this morning? He spoke to me. Are you thankful for this man? Yeah. What a great servant of God. What a privilege to, to have worked along with him. You know, here's the thing. God is building his city. It's a spiritual city. And everybody gets a section of the work. And the section that Rolando was building in McAllen is finished. And now he's got a new section in Dallas. But he's still building in God's work. And we'll commission him for that section. And we'll stay in our section. We'll build ours. So today we commission ourselves to stay and do what God has called us to do. Amen? How many of you are committed to that? Yes, amen. Listen, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to help you get to know him. If you haven't been baptized as a believer, we want to help you with that. Come to us. If you want to join this fellowship, come talk to us. That's what we're about. Join us in helping to build the kingdom because the king is coming. Amen. I'm going to ask Rolando and his precious family, Janet and Selena and David, Jeremiah uh, to come and stand here because we want to commission them. I'm going to ask them to step a little bit forward so people can get behind you. 
I'm going to ask my wife to come and stand behind Janet. I know they've been close friends. And I'm going to ask Ruben, he's our chairman of deacons, to come uh, represent the deacons and, and stand with them. And uh, I'm going to ask Bob Canterbury to come all the way down from the balcony. Bob is one of those who was here from the beginning of the Spanish ministry, and he and Flora have, have worked in that ministry. I'm going to ask Jeanette Elenas to come uh, as well as, as she's worked closely with Rolando in different ministries. I'm going to ask Rosie Wilkinson to come and, and stand here as she has led with and worked alongside Rolando. If you're a member of the personnel committee, uh, would you come? Uh, if you've been a member of the personnel committee during these 12 years, uh, then, then you come and stand uh, behind Rolando. If you've been with Rolando on a mission trip or in the missions committee, uh, you know, the Spanish ministry here was born out of our missions ministry and then Rolando had a staff assignment to be in charge of missions for an interim time. So if you're part of that ministry, you come uh, and join him here. If, you, uh, if, you're, if you'd like to just come, and I didn't call your name, you'd like to come and and put your hands on this family as we commission them, then please do, please feel free to come. Robert Reda, BSM Director at UTRGV, would you come? You've been a partner in ministry. Uh, uh, many of the students at UTRGV, BSM, are part of our Spanish service, and we get to send them out on different mission trips, and so we are thankful. Would you extend your hand to the front and would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for the life of this servant of yours, this young man who came just shortly after adolescence to the Rio Grande Valley from Colombia and who had a calling on his life from you. Thank you that Calvary had the privilege to offer him a, a bottle of cold water on the 4th of July and, and how in your divine providence, You've, you've brought him to be a part of our family and to minister here. How we saw, even before I was here, how the church saw the gifting on, on his life, the call on his life. And we ordained him and we gave him the opportunity to do what you called him to do here. We're so thankful that we got to do that. I personally am thankful to have been uh, able to work alongside this man of God, a friend uh, a co-laborer and, uh, and we thank you because we continue to be family. We send him out today and his family. We commission them for a new section of ministry and we commission ourselves to stay here and continue the building until you return. Church, would you repeat with me? Father, we commission the Aguirre family to be sent out in the name of Jesus Christ in the power of your spirit that your kingdom may grow that the nations would worship you as he sent out and we ourselves commit to be your sent ones here in McAllen and in the RGV in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.